You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with MLB.com Braves reporter Mark Bowman as we take a look back at the 2016 Braves season and also look ahead a little bit to 2017 and, of course, a brand-new ballpark. And because of the way this season has finished out, maybe some new excitement around this Braves team. Mark, let's start with 2016, though. It's a season that couldn't have started any worse, really, and eventually leading to the firing of Freddie Gonzalez as manager. That led to the hiring of interim manager Brian Snicker, and that maybe is where things kind of started to turn a little bit because while he may or may not return in 2017, it looks more and more like he will. He's been such a big part of this team's turnaround, both from a, a mental clubhouse standpoint and eventually the play on the field. No doubt. I mean, that was a, a turning point in the season. Um, you know, you, let's go back to the beginning. It, they lose nine straight. Um, and at, at that point in time, it was immediate that, that the focus became on how long Freddie Gonzalez keep his job. Um, you know, and what what happens at that point in time is Freddie's focus starts to uh, be placed on, hey, look, you know, how much, how many, how much more of a, a rope am I going to be given before I I lose my job. You just can't, you can't manage effectively that way. At the same time, the, the mood in the clubhouse uh, was influenced by the fact that, that you had, you know, Freddie worried about his future. Um, look, the, the team, the team underperformed, you know, at the same time. And in, in some ways you had Nick Marquez had a very productive April. Uh, Freddie Freeman was good for a couple months or a couple weeks of, of April. Uh, Marquez and Freeman both struggled uh, in in May, and you had Ender Enciarte, who, who basically missed all of April. Uh, those were those were key pieces, and you had a rotation that was still that you're still trying to. You had Julio Teran, and then a bunch of young guys, Bud Norris, the, the guy, the, the veteran that you had hoped that would uh, provide some stability there. He he was out of the rotation by the end of April. So, uh, if it could go wrong, it did when Brian Snicker came in. Um, you know, it was a relief, and it just it, it, it kind of like a, there was able to flip the page. Uh, the, the focus was placed elsewhere, and it, it wasn't certainly wasn't the media because his first 27 games of his tenure as the manager, that this team wasn't much better than it had been during that stretch with with Freddie. But uh, you know what? The, we can look at it. There were a lot of great things that happened this season. You know, Matt Kemp's arrival, Enderinci Arctic came into his own. Nick Marcakis regained his power, but everything uh, really took off It went when Freddie Freeman took off in the middle of June. And, uh, you know, we, we've said it many times, this guy had an MVP caliber season. He's going to deserve some or deserve some MVP votes. Um, he, he will not win the award because of where the team uh, finished, but at the same time, this was a, he, everything revolved about, around his tremendous production this year. When you look at the pitching side of things, Julio Tehran took a step forward and I think became a guy that this team knows it can rely on in the future and was able to hold on to after maybe years of trade speculation. It uh, looks like Tehran will be a part of this rotation. So many young pitchers, though, Mark, came through the major leagues this year, kind of got their chance. Some had good stretches. Some had bad stretches. Um it's unclear what the team might add in the off season, but when you look at the young pitching that came through this year, who stood out to you to be the guys that 
you look to the future, and these are guys that are going to be a part of this rotation. Well, there, there's no doubt that, that Oyo reasserted himself this year. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe he's nothing more than a uh, legitimate number three, but at the same time on this staff, he, he, he served as the number one they needed. Uh, in terms of young guys, there were there were starts, you know, a handful of starts in which Mike fulton looked like an ace. And we saw enough consistency from him this year to at least stop the talk about Mike fulton needs to go to the bullpen. He, you know, this guy has the potential to be something special. Um, you know, at the same time, you're looking at Matt Whistler. Matt Whistler has incredible stuff. Um, it's just Matt Whistler has to start believing in himself. His struggles can combined with those of Aaron Blair, have led the club to basically enter this offseason thinking, look, we'll enter next year with Teron, Fulton Evich, and then two two veterans that they go after uh, during the offseason. They're not going to you know, go after a long-term fix or anything like that. They're going to go after because they don't want to block some of the other kids they have coming. Um, but, but then that fifth spot's going to be a battle with, with Whistler and you know, Aaron Blair will be in that mix as well. Uh, the, the guy that I think that I'm going to be intrigued with where he stands at the beginning of camp is Sean Nuk. Um, you know, here, here's one of the uh, top pro- pitching prospects in the game. He, he will come to camp with a chance to win that fifth spot. I, I've got a feeling they'll start him with Gwinnett, but at the same time, at some point next year, he should be in the rotation. Uh, um, and, you know, the, the focus at that point in time, you know, will be how quickly can he get back? And you're starting. You're going to start looking at the Max Freeze, the Col- Colby Allers, and the next wave of pitchers who uh, could be knocking on the door here within the next year or two. Uh, when you look at at the youth movement, there's obviously the pitchers, Mark. But then late in the season, there was a lot of talk about it, whether it was the right time or not. But the team goes with Dansby Swanson. They trade Eric Ibar away, open us up the the opening in that infield to bring up Swanson. And there was some debate because maybe you don't want to bring him into a bad situation for a losing team. And what if he struggles? And then what do you do at the beginning of next year? But I think the Braves kind of knew what they were doing and knew who they had in Swanson, a confident guy who, who could handle all that. And he was a big part of this team's big September, and he looks very much comfortable. They kind of eased him in, it seemed. Uh, didn't have him face the very best pitchers in the league right away. Gave him nights off. But then eventually he was in the, the lineup night after night. And at the end of the day, the, the average right there at 300. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's uh, – this guy – this kid's pretty special. And I know you've got a chance to talk to him a few times, Tim. And uh, I think that, you know, you're not going to go ahead and call up just any, any talent, any prospect with a similar kind of talent um, who was just one year removed from college. I mean, he – it, they knew what Dansby's makeup was, and he's handled himself in a professional, mature, and um, open-minded in, in terms of learning. Uh, his, his willingness to learn has truly helped him. You know, here's a guy who is highly talented. You know, all the attention's on him, but but he's very humble, um, and, and that has helped him make the veterans seem to respect him. I uh, respect his approach, and, and obviously you have to respect his play because he's provided a solid glove, and like you said, a bat that he's hit 300 here for, uh, throughout his first 120, 130 at bats and at the big league level. And, uh, you look even at September. My, my concern really was how tired is this guy going to be because he's never been through a professional season before. You know, he's, here's a guy who was playing 
couple times a week last year in Bandy and, um, you know, just never had anything like a professional season. How's he going to do in September? Well, you know what? His uh, his numbers in September have been better than Corey Seager's, you know, alone. So, uh, you know, Corey Seager's probably going to win the rookie of the year. Um, Dansby Swanson had a better finish. That doesn't mean he had a better season. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying. But, you know, that, my concern about him being fatigued, um, he certainly put that to rest. So I think you can lock in Dansby Swanson as your starting shortstop on opening day 2017. Ozzy Albies will probably have to wait because of the injury, and that was a tough luck thing late in the season, Mark. But you look ahead to 2017, new ballpark, opening day. What do you expect the, the excitement level to be like around Atlanta with a team that, that is now kind of – you know, throughout the season, it was a rough go. But now having this September surge going into the new ballpark, seems like it's going to be a lot of fun in April in that new ballpark. Yeah, you know, when you ask that question, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is 2010 when they, they had, they've had a pretty good end of the 2009. Then you add to it that you had a young kid named Jason Hayward uh, joining the line. But I'm, I'm thinking that's going to be the kind of buzz that uh, that's entering next season. Um you know, obviously, you're going to have a a uh, sold out, excited crowd is to to be in a, a sold out crowd excited about being in a new stadium. But at the same time, this, this team, uh, these fans are going to remember how they finished this season. They're going to realize, that, hey, there's a lot of these same pieces back. I mean, you look at the lineup. I mean, you could basically fill out the first six spots in the lineup next year with with NCR taking. You know, maybe maybe put Swanson in the two hole next year and. and uh, and then uh, Freeman, Kemp, Marquez, um, and then maybe Garcia. They're going to add a catcher. Uh, they're they're going to be, you know, they're going to have to learn. They'll be introduced to these two new starting pitchers. The team start plans to get. Uh, the bullpen will have some familiarity because you will have all these young arms that have come into their own with Ian Crow back. I uh, probably won't have Jim Johnson back, but at the same time, you've got this guy in over Ramirez, Cabrera's. Uh, some power arms that they can uh, uh, make a difference or that have proven they can make a difference in the late innings. Um, so this is going to be a team that they're very familiar with uh, in, t- in terms of uh, guys they, they've, you know, watched closely throughout this season. I'm sure John Copalella is, you know, going to make, uh, you know, one or two changes that, that could affect, you know, what I just, the plans I just laid out. But at the, the same time, um, this team's success has, uh, you know, rejuvenated a fan base. Let's put it that way. And the growing pains of 2016 could lead to some newfound success in 2017. I don't think we're looking forward to, to a playoff run or anything like that, but a step in the right direction in a new ballpark. It should be a lot of fun. That's going to do it for this wrap of the 2016 Atlanta Braves. From Mark Bowman, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.